Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. See how there's so much less fiber in this year's cow pie? Mm-hmm. Now due to the drought, see last year I grazed this field and, and I had more fiber. But I also had a lot more greener feed, so I didn't need to offset the drought and how dry and nasty and rank this feed is. Welcome to Range. I'm Amy Westerfeld. That was Norris Alba you heard in the intro. Norris is a third-generation rancher in Nevada, out in Fallon, Nevada, about an hour, hour and a half from Reno. He raises cattle and lamb for grass-fed meat, using no antibiotics and very little chemical aids in general. From the grass he feeds them to his breeding program, Norris is really focused on the health of his animals and his land, and he's got a somewhat unusual reference point. In a cow, a sheep, the Lord designed it to have the rumen which all it is is a storage fat for lignified feed that a human cannot consume. That rumen with all the microbes and the bacteria can take that lignified forage, mine it for the nutrition, and have a nutritional pat, cow patty if you will, going out the rump to fertilize the grass. This episode of Range is brought to you in part by Zola, the wedding website that makes it super easy to plan your wedding and register. I have to say that if something like this had existed 11 years ago, I might not have just run off to Vegas and gotten married. (laughs) Seriously, it makes it so much easier. All you have to do is go online, sign up, get your free wedding website going, get your wedding registry set up. You have affordable save the dates and invitations there and easy to use planning tools all in one place. The wedding website is free. It takes just minutes to set up and you have a ton of beautiful design options to choose from, over a hundred. Zola makes it easy to personalize your favorite design with your wedding details, photos, stories about how you met, travel and accommodations info, everything people need to know. You can put your Zola registry on your wedding website so that guests can get all the details they need and buy your wedding gift in one place. And They do this other thing that I think is really cool, something I hadn't heard of, but again, I got married in Vegas, so that might be why. (laughs) They have this whole registry completion plan, so if there are things that are left on your registry that you still really want, you can buy them all through Zola and you have 20% off, which I think is pretty awesome. They let you choose from over 500 top brands from Oxo and Cuisinart to Sonos and Airbnb for the registry, so there's plenty of things to choose from. And there are free shipping, returns, price matching, and all of that. To start your free wedding website and get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola.com slash range. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash range. Okay, back to the show. 
The reason I first went out to visit Norris a couple years ago was a line on his website that referenced the Old Testament. I felt for a long time like there's more crossover between religious people and environmentalists than what gets portrayed on the news or in the media in general. And Norris really proves that point. Here he is talking about his approach to ranching. We do not use the fertilizers, the herbicides, the insecticides, all these chemical approaches. We use more of a management based using animals to correct problems. As you see coming up the road, I have lots of weeds. I don't have a monoculture. For example, we use legumes, whether it's clovers, trefoil, alfalfa, to help fix the nitrogen out of the air to feed the grass. We have the grass interseeded with the legumes We have lots of wild chicory that just comes in here naturally. It loves what we do. Now the leaves of the chicory is very nutritious for the animals, but it also has a lot of minerals that the other plant species don't have. And with their longer taproot, they're mining minerals, nutrients from a different level in the soil profile, but yet it's making it available for our animals. We like to graze, even on the alfalfa fields, one crop per year at least during the green growing season with the cattle and the sheep, the goats too, that the kids have, because it is putting the organic matter in a nutrient fashion going through the manure back onto the soil to feed your soil life, your microbes, your bacteria, your beneficial fungi, and etc., That in turn feeds the plant, and so you have a more healthier plant naturally so that then you're getting the health from that plant, the forage, into the livestock. Mm -hmm. If we have some weeds, it doesn't upset me because the soil is growing something, but it's also bringing different minerals, different nutrition to the animals. You'll see some of the weeds on the edges of the field that the cattle will eat readily in the summertime, but then in the fall they don't want to eat it, but in the winter they'll go back and eat on it. We also do a lot of rotational grazing so that you're breaking the parasite cycles, whether it be the internal or external parasites. You know, an animal will be on the fields for a short bit of time, and then they'll move on to fresh feed, fresh ground. The soil itself can kill a lot of the harmful bacterias, you also have the sunlight shining down that's killing a lot of the pathogens so that you're not constantly reinfecting the animal. We haven't used any lice or grub products in 14 years on our cattle. We have dewormed our cattle seven or eight years ago once and that's been the only time in the last 13 years. Fly products, we haven't used anything in three years. We quit using a lot of your conventional fly tags and so forth 12 or 13 years ago, but we would have to, you know, kind of do a spot treatment. Three years ago, we quit doing that. It wasn't always that way. When Norris first took over from his dad, the ranch was run like most cattle ranches in the U.S., Here's Norris again to explain. In 1998, it cost us $25 per cow, 
per year in animal health products, dewormers, fly control. We were using shots to prevent pneumonia, Pastorella hemolytica mucosida, um, a four-way combination of, of IBR, BVD, PI3, BRSV. We were using pink eye shots, uh, leptovibrio trick for abortion diseases in the cows, uh, eight-way clostridial uh, for the pores, not pores, spores, naturally occurring spores in the soil. Uh, we had all of these props that we ourselves were using. It financially wasn't sustainable. It wasn't sustainable uh, for our animals. We started doing some rotational grazing about that time. We started looking for things that were going to work for us. You know, you are what you eat, whether it's wholesome or unwholesome. Now, I can eat a Big Mac. I just don't think about it. <laughs> but really, I, I want to know what's in the food. And when you guys go out to a farm or a ranch, you want to have a tour. If the person that you're looking to buy your vegetables from, your beef from, you name the product that you're going to eat, if they won't give you a tour and can't look you in the eye and answer the questions, there's probably something they're, they're, they're hiding. And commodity products that you buy out of the grocery store, you really have no idea. They're hiding behind being anonymous. The product could come from an absolute wonderful farmer rancher that's doing everything correctly, or it may not. You don't know. You need that personal touch, that personal relationship, so you know you're eating healthy. Today, we use an eight-way clostridial vaccination for the spores. We tried to get away from it, but we had too much of a death loss. Our big one is what they call clostridium preferentians type C and D, overeating. And what happens is the bacteria multiplies in the intestine so rapidly, the bad bacteria, that it actually turns the gut kind of a black. And the toxins is what kills the animal. The other thing that we had to, to put back into our program was the shot for lepto and vibrio. It's a abortion diseases that will cause abortions. Oh, mostly what we were seeing was six to eight months gestation, and a cow has a nine-month gestation. And so we did have to go back with the, the lepto and the vibrio. All the other props we haven't used in years, and we were able to discontinue them. In this changing of our operations, we were fortunate that my granddad started with our shorthorn herd of cattle in 1946. By the mid-50s, he had pretty well closed it and starting, started the line breeding process. My dad and my uncle kept it going, so my family and I have been able to enjoy the benefit of the genetic base that Granddad started with, and it's not been diluted down. Norris wouldn't say anything about his dad's approach or how his dad took it when Norris started to change things. But his wife, Susie, offered this take. In the beginning, it was difficult. My father-in-law would tease us and call us Hippies. funny little names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and call us little funny little names and stuff. But you know, 
even though he may not have admitted it, he knew what Norris was doing was, he may not have been the kind of guy that could have said, hey, hey son, I'm proud of you for what you're doing. But he had to, if he had the conversation with himself, see what Norris did for those many years and seeing how things were here and then progressing into what it was at the time that he passed, he'd be lying to himself if he didn't recognize that. And I know he did recognize it because he was coming on board with the linear measuring. He saw it, even if he didn't say it. Mm-hmm. And even though you may not be able to say that, I saw it sitting from the back seat. So, One of the things that really struck me about Norris is just how in tune he is with the natural world around him and how important he thinks that is for the animals as well. Environmental adaption is huge. It's like taking you from where you were raised, say in the city, and throwing you on a ranch in the country, you're out of your element. When you're mixing animals back and forth, they're not environmentally adapted. So anytime you have stress, that's when you gotta go and use other outside products to keep them alive or to keep them healthy. Everything he does is about optimizing his animal's health right down to the sort of structure he breeds for, a wider chest so that the heart and lungs have plenty of space. The heart girth needs to be the same. I prefer it greater because you're going to have a healthier animal from the standpoint that the heart and the lungs can move at maximum capacity. If the animal is constricted, then there is a physical restriction on the heart being able to pump the full volume and the lungs being able to expand, the heart pumping the blood, and the lungs being able to expand to the full capacity to get the oxygen so it can oxygenate the blood so it can go through the whole animal and so it can nourish every cell with the oxygen. If the animal is restricted in the heart girth, structurally restricted, you're going to have a weaker immune system because you're not going to have the oxygen going to every cell in the body. Of course, that focus on health is so that his animals can ultimately provide optimum nutrition for humans. And it's really through that lens that they opt not to sell the rare animal that they do have to give antibiotics to, more so than a concern about antibiotic resistance, although that's also a good reason to avoid antibiotics in meat, according to most public health officials. Here's Norris on that. Years ago, even before we discontinued all the products in 1998, we were noticing that they would need another shot of antibiotic sometime in their life. We used to keep cows that we'd given a shot when they were a baby, and we noticed that most of those cows, like 80% of them, by the time they were six years old, they had had another life-threatening illness, usually it was pneumonia, and they would need another shot of antibiotic. And so the antibiotics, to me, tells me, and here's why I don't believe we, I personally will not eat antibiotic meat if I know it, is you eat for the nutrition, and if you need a shot of antibiotic, you have subpar mineral and vitamin nutrition in that animal, and so you're not eating health. I'm not so concerned about the antibiotic residue is that animal's got a history that it did not assimilate the minerals and the vitamins correctly. And so it's just propagating, and it's a matter of time 
there's going to be another issue, and you got subpar nutrition for the human body. In the U.S., meat can be sold as antibiotic-free once the antibiotics have cleared an animal's system. But the Albaz don't play that game. Here's Susie to explain. Oh, yeah, we, we won't sell it because we knew that we had given that animal the antibiotic. Even though she's the label says that she should be clean of it and all that, we know it's there, so we can't... We have to be honest with ourselves and our customers, and we don't want to sell our meat knowing that we had given her a antibiotic. The Albaz haven't pursued organic certification, in part because they do still have a couple of issues that they need to treat with shots, and in part because they don't think that the label really speaks to the level of nutrition and sustainability and health that they're aiming for. It's actually a common complaint among some farmers and ranchers that the organic label tells you what's not in a product, but doesn't necessarily certify a healthier food. Now, I know a lot of folks who don't eat meat would say it doesn't really matter if you're doing it a slightly better way. Eating meat's not good for the planet, and there's definitely some truth to that. But there are also folks who want to eat meat maybe less and more responsibly, and for the folks like that, I think it's important to know about systems like what the Albaz are doing. I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite things that Nora said about the difference between animal science and animal husbandry and why there's a preference for one over the other in this country. Animal husbandry is not favored in this country. Animal science is because animal science creates money where animal husbandry is more taking care of the problems and you're not putting money out of pocket to support somebody else. So. So there you go, the life and times of a real old-timey, Old Testament-inspired Western rancher. It's still interesting to me how much Norris, whose beliefs are rooted in pretty old ideas, sounds a lot like he could be a 20-year-old urban farmer talking about sustainability. I'll stick a link in the show notes in case you're interested in learning more. That's it for this time, and that's it for this season. We'll see you next year. Thanks a lot. is produced and distributed by the Critical Frequency Network. You can find Range on all listening platforms and please give us a rating or review wherever you listen. It helps us find new listeners. If you have ideas for a story or feedback on anything you've heard this season, please shoot me a note at howdy at rangepodcast.org. Our music is by David Whited. Original illustrations for each episode are drawn by James Guthman. You can follow us across all social platforms at Range Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.